All right, so uh, in our study of the tabernacle, if you uh, have been with us and following along in the study, you know that we've entered the outer court. We've walked past the brazen altar where the sacrifice takes place. It's the very first thing in a relationship with God. There has to be something that dies. Somebody's got to die for your sin. And in the picture of the tabernacle, uh, or in the tabernacle, that's a, a place of sacrifice, of, of literal sacrifice, and a spiritual uh, New Testament application. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has died as our uh, replacement. We walk past the brazen laver, where it's the, the priest would wash their hands uh, before they ministered. And it's a really good picture of how we need to keep ourselves clean. But that happens after the sacrifice. We don't come to Christ clean. He does the work of, of redeeming us and even allowing us the opportunity to uh, approach the brazen laver. And then we opened up the tabernacle proper. We go into the first room called the holy place. Uh, a few weeks ago, we saw the, um, the uh, candlestick on our left that shines light across to the table of showbread, which pictures the word of God, loaves stacked six, six, picturing the word of God, the bread of life, the 66 books of the Bible. We saw how the Holy Spirit in the picture of that a candlestick shines light and helps us understand the word of God. But now what's in front of us, right in the, right in the, like as soon as you open it up, the first thing you would see would be the altar of incense. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The design, and then we'll talk about the build, the design. Thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, uh, upon. of shittim wood or acacia wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make upon it under the crown thereof. When I said that, I was like, five golden ring in my head. So that song gets stuck in my head too, I guess. And the, the two golden rings shalt thou make under the crown of it by the two corners thereof. Upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. So we've seen the staves that are involved in different aspects of the furniture. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. We'll also see in Exodus 30, down in verses 34 and 38, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, stakte and uh, ancha and uh, galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight, so even amount. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. Great picture of the church here, by the way. And thou shalt beat some of it very small. Well, maybe that's not a great, great part picture of the church. We don't beat people very small. Um, we don't even beat the big ones. Um, and put it before the testimony of the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. And whosoever shall make it, uh, make like, the, uh, like unto that, 
to smell thereof shall even be cut off from his people. So that's pretty, pretty significant. We've got one more passage that I want to look at. Now, this is where it's actually built. So those were the commands of God to Moses about what was going to happen. This is actually what happened. And he made the incense of altar of shittim wood. The length of it was a cubit. The breadth of it was cubit and four square. And the cubit was the height of it. The horns thereof were the same. So he's, he's fulfilling the word of God. And he overlaid it with pure gold, both the top of it and the sides thereof round about and the horns of it made unto it a crown of gold round about. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown by the two corners upon the two sides uh, to be places for the staves to bear it withal. And he made the staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold. And he made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices according to the work of the apothecary. So I know that was a lot of words, but... It was exactly what God had, had commanded through Moses to be done. So I think you have your handouts before you. There are some similarities and some differences between the altar of incense and the rest of the furniture. Some similarities and some singleness. Now, I had, most of you know, I didn't teach last week. Brian uh, taught last week on, in, in the book of Mark. It was wonderful. The week before, we had our super fellowship upstairs. That was also good. So I had a lot of time to work on alliteration. So there's a lot of letters that are the same this week. Normally, I don't have time to sit and try to make words start or end with the same. But today, it's on. So similarities and singleness. They were similar. So the uh, altar of incense was similar to uh, the structure, the table of showbread, and the Ark of the Covenant, and that it was shittim or acacia wood overlaid with gold. It was also square with four horns. As if you looked like down on it, the altar was square. The altar, the brazen altar, was square with four horns. And it had a gold crown, just like the table of showbread, and we'll see uh, in coming weeks, the Ark of the Covenant has this crown of gold around the top. So it's, it has some similarities to other things in, in the tabernacle, but it's also different. It's interesting. This height is different from all the other structures. This is two cubits tall, which is about 36 inches. My guess is these tables are probably 32 inches tall so but a yardstick tall okay not not real big really uh it was also one cubit wide and one cubit deep 18 inches so again probably pretty close to this table if you could just imagine uh, just a square maybe just a little that's that's all we're talking about it's a pretty small piece of furniture really and it would hold the the coals to be able to to uh, uh Aram, uh, to make the perfume smell. Aramate, I, I don't know what the right term is. Aramate? Ar, 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 I don't know. Sure. Uh, it would make it... Aromatic, yeah. Aromatic. It would make it aromatic. So the, 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 the coals would create heat and would cause the altar of incense or the incense to, to burn up and, and... or burn up and lift up. Some of you may have some sort of incense that you burn in your home. Not, it's not a religious function per se, but you do it because you like the way it smells. That's, that's cool. But it was interesting because we actually already saw that this mixture was for the Lord. Don't do it for your, in your home. That, that was set, supposed to be holy unto the Lord. Now, there were no description of legs or feet 
on this. So it, it appears to kind of have just kind of be a box, if you will, as compared to a table with legs. And then there's the description of the ring. So we're going to do a quick exercise uh, this morning. We're going to, this is going to be fun, I promise. All right. So on your page, I think it says how many rings, right? How many rings? And then I've got the reference there. And I want you to put an X in one, two, or three. He made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof. Don't, don't, don't do it yet. Uh, by the corners of it, upon the two sides thereof. These are just pictures I pulled off the internet. Just full disclosure, okay? Does it look like this with two rings on the corners? Is there any way you can so, make it bigger? No, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I can, unfortunately. Sorry. Um, yeah. Can I sit right there? Sure, of course you can. Yeah. So you've got these three pictures. You've got the two rings on the corners. You've actually got four rings on this one. Or you've got two rings on the side. I think this is a miniature. It kind of looks like a miniature. Which one, one, two, or three, do you think is described by the words that, and he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof, by the two corners of it, upon the two sides thereof. Which one do you think it is? The second one. No, you're supposed to mark it on your page. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, this isn't my, that's not my, oh, there's, okay. All right. So we know Doug thinks it's two. Okay. Who thinks it's one? couple people couple three three people raised their hand on one who thinks along with doug that it's two yeah we've got a good number five seven ish eight ish maybe and who thinks it's three just two rings there's one on this side and you can't see it there'd be one on that side you're gonna go with three so only i think i only saw three people who didn't vote because they're un they're not confident. I'm very confused so right now. well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Just hang with me. Hang with me. So how many rings were on this? The, now the reason this is look the number of rings is not important. The lesson here is that the words of God are important. Okay, that's the point of this exercise. The words of God are important. Okay, so I'm going to walk through why I think it's number three. Okay, and he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof. So this would be two rings, and it's under this crown, okay, by the two corners of it upon the two sides thereof. So if you said there were two total rings on two corners, I would say, but the problem is it says by the two corners of it, not on the two corners of it, right? It doesn't say on the two corners of it. It says actually upon the sides, right? Are you tracking? Right? Okay. So if you said number one, I would respectfully disagree with number one. Okay, number two. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof by the two corners of it upon the two sides thereof. So this um, uh, representation shows two rings on each side. Now the logic here would say he made two rings of gold under the crown by the two corners of it. And he did that upon this side and upon the other side, upon two sides. That's actually a reasonable argument, okay? And no feet. And no feet, <laughs> okay? 
I would respectfully disagree because it says, and he made two rings of gold. All the others, they're very clear. Made four rings of gold. This one's different. It says two rings of gold. Okay? Now, my rationale for this last one is he made two rings of gold. There would be one on this side for it under the crown thereof by the two, by the two corners. You say, well, it, that's on a side. That's not by the two corners. Well, it is. It's by both of the corners. Remember, it's only 18 inches wide, okay? So it would, that would imply that it was centered between the two corners, okay? Now, I don't know if I'm right. This is the one I'm running with. Oops. So, but, but the point is, you should approach details in Scripture with the respect that it deserves, we can't just ra randomly say, I think it looks like this, or I think it looks like this, or I think it looks like this. We need to have logic. We need to spend time in details and not bring our own agenda to the table, okay? That's an important principle. Okay, so what does, what does this altar of incense picture? So you're getting ready to get a lot of peas, okay? You're getting ready to get a lot of peas, the picture, well, and the who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? The picture is prayer. Notice in the book of Revelation, a very similar pattern. Revelation chapter 8, 3 to 4. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it, what, how? With the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now, this is in heaven. This isn't a reference to the tabernacle, but we know the tabernacle is a picture of what's going on in heaven. And literally, there is a golden altar upon which the prayer, the incense is offered so that the prayers and the incense go up literally into the nostrils of God. Now, more so the incense than the prayers, if you will, but he breathes them in. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. You have the ability through prayer to approach the creator of heaven and earth. In other places in scripture, we know that we can approach him boldly through prayer. That is a beautiful, beautiful situation. And this altar of incense pictures it per perfectly. So where is, where is, so we, so we saw, well, it's all uh, the uh, candlestick on one side, the table of showbread right in front of us is this. Well, okay, yes, we know the, the, the place, but, the, but, but notice here in Exodus 30, and thou shalt put it before the veil, that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony. And look at this, where I will meet with thee. God's gonna meet in that, in that holy of holies where the ark of the covenant is, where the mercy seat, we haven't looked at those yet, but we will, okay? He's gonna meet there. He's gonna come from, uh, from his throne, he is going to indwell, temporarily indwell the, the Holy of Holies. And he's saying, what's the closest thing? Well, there's a veil, but uh, just on the outside of the veil, the closest thing to where he meets with us is prayer. There's two ways to connect with God. Read scripture, you'll hear from him, and pray to him directly.
That's where you meet the Lord. And when? Well, you pray at all times. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You should literally pray without ceasing. There was a perpetual incense burning that would fill the tabernacle. Remember, for those of you who have studied it with us, the tabernacle was covered with heavy coverings. All of this incense would just sit in that place and just literally fill it up. It's beautiful. So, so, so that's the, the, the uh, what, the where, and the when. The how. Well, it's pretty important to understand the sacrifice. So we got to jump over into the book of Leviticus for just a couple of minutes. Look at a couple of verses. They go together, Leviticus 16, 12, and 13. We divide them up for the purposes of the outline. How? And he shall take an censer full of burning coals from the fire, um, or of fire from off the altar before the Lord. So this is out in the, in the, in the, court and his hands full of incense, uh, sweet incense beaten small or ground most likely and bring it within the veil. Okay. So this is that, this is important that the Lord is, um, this, this gives a reflection of the sacrifice. Okay. It gives perspective. And we're going to see more about that in just a second, because the sacrifice is irrelevant to the prayer. And why? So he can live and thrive. And he shall put the incense upon the, uh, incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony, that he die not. Now, this is really interesting. So the priest literally needed to stoke up a, fi- a, 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 a fire, a smoke of incense that would literally cover the other side of the veil. Now, I don't exactly know how the smoke from the outside, not, out, 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 not from the court, but in the holy place, the first chamber, if you will, I don't know how it gets to the other side because there's this big heavy veil between, right? Maybe when they open up the veil and they go in, some, some goes in, but like, I mean, I've seen some movies where guys open up a car and they fall out and there's smoke billowing out probably different kind of smoke, but I've fast times at Ridgemont high. Thank you. Um, but, but the smoke from the altar of incense permeates past the veil and covers and literally fills the Holy of Holies. So he does it in part. So he doesn't die. (laughs) Now, I guess you could take this and you could apply this and say, Mitch, are we supposed to pray so we don't die? Well, I guess, yeah. But it's so that he can live, so that he can minister. You need to find your sufficiency and your your sufficiency in Christ and your purpose in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Like prayer is really important to connect with God. He will show you how you are to minister. The, some of my biggest failures in ministry have been when I just simply don't listen to the Lord and I bring my own agenda to the table. So who, so I referenced this a little bit ago. So the who, only the redeemed. Now, this is going to sound a little harsh. And I, if you don't know me, if we've just met today, maybe, or, or you're new, maybe you've been to, to the church just for a short period of time, trust that, that we are not Calvinistic. We do not take a position 
just to be very, very clear, we do not take a position that God ordained only certain people to be saved. That's not what scripture says. We think you have to massage scripture in order to come up with a position that only certain people can be saved. The words predestinated, and I don't want to get too far off, they talk about the purpose of how God works in those who have chosen him, okay? But in this context, look at 1 Chronicles 6, 9, uh, 6.49. But Aaron and his sons offered upon the altar of the burnt offering and on the altar of incense and were appointed for all the work of the uh, place most holy and to make anointment for Israel according to all that the Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. Not anybody could just walk in. Like Dobson couldn't just be like, hey, I want to altar. I want to put stuff on the altar of sacrifice today. I want to go in and throw some stuff on the altar of, uh, of incense, or I want to bring my bread to the table of showbread. I want to put my oil in the candlestick. That's not how it worked. The priest did that work, okay? Now, only the redeemed, hear me out, only their prayers make it to God. You say, wow, that seems like a harsh statement. Well, according to, so uh, look at, turn to Proverbs 28 for just a second. Proverbs, this is not on your, on your, on your page. Proverbs 28. In verse, um, verse nine, 28, verse nine. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Even his prayer shall be an abomination. Also in Proverbs, in verse 15 through uh, 15, verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. There are, there is a very real component, a very real component that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you don't get to just bring your prayer request to God. He's not obligated to listen. You're not his child. Now, he absolutely hears your prayer of repentance if you want to be saved. 15 verse 8. 15 verse 8. Proverbs 15 8. Yep. That's the other. So Proverbs 28 9 and Proverbs 15 8. He absolutely hears your prayer of repentance. He absolutely hears your prayer of salvation. He wants to hear that. He is not willing that any would perish. But the guy or the gal that's out living in the world and then one day they decide to pray to God kind of like Garth Brooks and wishes his girlfriend would stay with him forever. I'm not saying that Garth Brooks is saved or not. My point is you don't get to play both sides of the fence. You don't get to live in the world and do everything you want to do and then be like, Oh, hey, God, I need you to do this or this. I think Brian said it very eloquently last week. We don't get the right to point our finger at God and say, dance, monkey, dance. Amen, brother. It's not how it works. The priest submits himself to the process so that he can enter into the tabernacle. Now, again, Will God hear you as a good father if you're his child? Absolutely. And if you're not, he is waiting with bated breath for a prayer of repentance from you. But he is not obligated to answer your request if you are not redeemed, if you are not saved. So building lesson number one, prayer 
is an intimate connection with an almighty God. It's an intimate connection that is requires relationship, okay? Requires relationship. And God puts some, and we're going to have to go through these points pretty fast here, but God puts some prohibitions. He puts some guardrails. God is really good at guardrails. What have you, okay, uh, honesty time. Has anyone ever hit a guardrail? Has anybody, okay, Doug, why am I not surprised? Okay, a guardrail. Doug, you've hit a guardrail? Okay. Oh, no, no, that, no, that, I meant like in driving. I'm, I, yeah, like with a car. I've actually hit a, a, a guardrail too. Oh, okay, but I mean like on the highway. Like, it's fairly rare. There are a lot of people in here, maybe a couple people have hit a guardrail, okay? And the guardrail did a job. Most of the time, you know where guardrails are? It's where the land drops way off, okay? It wants to keep you... God's really good at guardrails. He's really good at putting these protections in our life that help us not to go off the deep end. A guardrail is to keep you, for lack of better terms, on the road. But what, you know what's so much better at keeping you on the road? Lane lines, <laughs> right? Lane lines. Because if I happen to go over the lane line just a little bit, unless there's a car right next to me who's also doing the same thing, probably not much is going to happen. Maybe if I'm on the interstate and I go over and I go, right? And then I get back over, right? Yeah, it is annoying for sure, especially in construction zones where you have to do it for a while. It's like, oh, okay. But my point is God creates guardrails and allows us to operate within the lanes and uses guardrails to protect us. What we're going to look at are some guardrails and some lane. He says, don't desecrate this process. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. He is very, this is a reference to the altar of incense. He's like, you don't come into the altar of incense and sacrifice a turtle dove. You don't bring strange fire or uh, strange incense. That's not the point of that. That is not the point of the altar of incense. He puts some very clear expectations on it. You intermingle those spices that I don't want to have to say again. I'm not even sure I said them right the first time. You intermingle those evenly. You mix those together. You beat them. You grind them probably like in a mortar pestle situation. And then you offer those. Don't bring anything strange. Don't you be bringing crazy concepts into your prayer life. Don't you be Ouija boarding your prayer life, if you know what I mean. Okay. I just, I made that up, but I think you're tracking. Like there are, there is prayer and then there's other stuff. Keep it pure. Also don't deviate. Korah's rebellion actually was about this. We don't have time. I didn't think we'd have time. In Numbers chapter 16, if you want to go look at that sometime, these are guys that thought, hey, it's perfectly fine for me to offer incense or uh, yeah, put incense on the, on the altar of incense. It was not, it was not. Yeah. What was the Exodus one? The one before? Yeah. It's on, it's on your page. 30, oh, desecrate. Oh, the wording was don't desecrate. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, right there. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. You're good. We want you to learn. So don't desecrate it. Don't bring strange things to the table. He also said don't deviate 
Don't don't allow others to come in and look at look at Second Chronicles twenty six. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. You're the king, but it's not your job to burn incense. Whose job was it? The priests. But the but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, they are consecrated to burn incense. I mean, this is a really, uh, this is another picture. You don't need to go to anybody else in your world. You don't need to go to your kings. You don't need to go to the political powers. You don't even need to go to your, arguably your spiritual authority to approach the Lord. That's a pretty cool promise. Like I can go directly to the throne and know that God hears me. Now he's going to answer according to his will, but... We don't want to deviate from that. And we also don't want to duplicate it. There's a lot of verses here. We won't look at all of them. They are, I think, on your page. But don't duplicate it. I am going to read this first one. Second Chronicles 32, 12. Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away the, his high places and his altars, these other places, and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it. He's like, get rid of all those other places that these little groves, these high places where you go and you offer God or gods these, this, uh, this sacrifice of incense. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not sacrificing a bull to God. I mean, I'm not that bad, but I, sometimes I check my horoscope. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like, do you trust him for your future or do you need to read your horoscope? Like, I know that God is faithful and he's just, but I'm just going to go check out this medium because I know I've been watching and they have some special powers. Whoa, okay. Like, all of a sudden, God's not sufficient. Because last time I checked, you go to a fortune teller, you go to a poem reader, you go to a medium. I have yet to enter and count encounter one of them that either A, doesn't want money, or B, doesn't want some notoriety, so they'll go on a show for, for that, or C, they want to mess up your life. So you don't duplicate it. You don't burn incense on high places. You don't burn incense to other gods or to Baal. Like, you don't burn it in vanity. Like this, you bring your prayers to an almighty God. Wrapping up, we have the annual atonement. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns, the horns that came off of the four corners of this altar of incense, once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. So out in the courtyard, they would have killed an animal. They would have brought that blood in and they would have put the blood on those four horns once a year to keep it clean. And he shall make an atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. I would say this is kind of a picture of when we take the Lord's Supper. We need to take a step back and we need to check what's going on in our lives, our relationships, sin, different things that are in our life. We need to, we need to step back and we need to make sure our altar of incense, our prayer life is pure before the Lord. Amen, brother. And that's our building lesson number two. Keep your prayer life pure before the Lord. Don't intermingle it with the world. <clears throat> there is nothing the world has to offer when it comes to your prayer life. 
Some people are like, I just need to get alone. I need to put candles around me. Okay, like I'm not going to get mad at you if you feel like you need to create an atmosphere of prayer, but you don't actually need it. People, people in the early New Testament, they would put on their prayer, they would go to their prayer closet, which was actually just pulling their hood over, over themselves. Like Michelle, Michelle, if I can't find Michelle in our house, like if I've lost her, our house isn't that big. If I've lost her, I know where she is. She's in our closet praying. There's nothing like, you know what? My stinky shoes are in there. All of my socks that I own, if they're not on my feet or in the dirty clothes in the washer dryer, they're in there. Same with my underwear. <laughs> like, the closet ain't that great of a place. But what it is, is it's a place of quiet solitude where she can block out the world for a minute and focus on her relationship with the Lord. Like, I go crazy in those kinds of places. Like, I need, I, that's not me. That's her. That's, it's beautiful. You don't need this big to-do about a prayer life with the Lord. It's a very intimate, intimate relationship. So our last point before we close here, or our last uh, verse and when he had, so Revelation chapter 5, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. I can't definitively know, know this, like I, I'm not dogmatic about this, but the implication is that all of the prayers that we have prayed to the Lord are poured out before Jesus, the, 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 before, well, here, and, and, and they sang a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And that is what allows our prayers to reach the Lord. Like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. The altar of incense is arguably more imp- arguably more important from a relational perspective than other pieces of furniture. The brazen altar is important because of the sacrifice. The candlestick shines light onto the word of God for us. But the way for us to connect with God after the sacrifice is through the altar of incense. Do not second guess, do not or do not uh, uh, create a situation where your prayer life is second fiddle to reading the scripture or studying scripture. It is absolutely important that you maintain an open communication to the one who died for you. Let's pray.